This is the Funville Nine, driven by AAA, the official podcast of the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Here's your host, Trey Wilson. Hello and welcome to today's Flying Squirrels pregame conversation. Today, we have a chat that Blaine McCormick had recently with Flying Squirrels hitting coach Corey Elastic. Uh, They got together and talked about Elastic's journey in coaching from his time working with a junior college down in Florida, uh, moving up to the professional ranks, winning championships, and more. Here's Blaine's conversation with Flying Squirrels hitting coach Corey Elastic. Our pregame conversation today is with the Flying Squirrels hitting coach, Corey Elastic, who is in his first season with the Flying Squirrels. And first of all, Corey, thanks for joining us on our pregame conversation. New to Richmond, how have you liked the town? How have you liked the stadium and all the atmosphere around here? Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, to be honest, since I've been here, it's been awesome. Um, I spent the last two years in Eugene, which was, you know, an extremely uh, long way from home. So being able to be on this side of the coast and uh, being a little bit closer at home definitely helps. But the people here in Richmond, um, from the front office staff to uh, the field crew to the fans, it's, it's been an awesome experience. It's kind of opened my eyes to what minor league baseball is supposed to be and what I envisioned it. And it's, uh, it's been a really, really fun experience since I've been here. You mentioned being a long way from home when you were with the Emeralds and being born in Florida and growing up there, you were in a state that is a baseball powerhouse mm-hmm. and being in a state where there's a lot of Juco powerhouses. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like growing up playing baseball in the Sunshine State and what were the experiences for you like there? Yeah, it, I mean, it's the mecca of baseball, in my opinion, with you know a couple other states that have grown over the last few years, but... Um, I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at in Florida. You're a 30-minute drive away from seeing somebody who's got a chance to play professional baseball. So uh, with the junior college circuit there being really, really good, you know, you got the Power 5 schools there, even the mid-majors that are there that are churning out uh, professional baseball players year in and year out. It's it's a really competitive state. It's year-round because the weather is so great. Um, and it's it's to me, it's the mecca of baseball, whether it's – you know, highly competitive high school, junior college, four-year schools, or um, even professional baseball, getting those guys out of the high schools there and the colleges to go play professional baseball. It is the, uh, it, it was fun to grow up in because it was, it, you know, your friends that you grew up with and playing across the state, um, you all, they all venture off to different parts of the country to play baseball, whether it's in college or professionally, and, and you know, you're, you're still able to come home and train with those guys in the off season. And um, because the weather's so great and it's, it's, you know, it's just what Florida does, man. It's, it's just really good baseball. And it's no joke that the junior college circuit is much different from Division One colleges, even Division Two colleges, too. Mm-hmm. But you had that experience as a coach at St. John's River State College down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Being a coach and developing the, these guys from the JUCO level, how do you connect with these guys and how, at the JUCO level and get them to sign with the four-year colleges or even into the pros? Yeah, so... I was very fortunate, you know, Ross Jones gave me uh, the opportunity as a young, a young coach, uh, coaching high school at the time to, to get into the junior college level. Um, it's junior college in Florida is uber competitive. Um, you know, St. John River State College, where I was at for five years, and you've got Santa Fe, where I actually went to school uh, at a high school, Chipola, Miami-Dade, State College of Florida, Polk, all these, these really good schools. Um, so it was a really good experience for me to get into into coaching junior college, 
Um, and at St. John's River, where you know our facilities were some of the best in the country, we brought in extremely high-level players, whether it was transfers from four-year schools um, or the best high school players around the state who were trying to improve their draft stock, or maybe they didn't have the academic requirements to get into the school they were committed to. Um, it, it made it very competitive, and you had to have certain separators um, to land those kids, right? And for me, it was getting to know them and their situation and their family and um, you know, not worried about what other schools were doing, but focused on what we were going to do at St. John's River to help those kids be the best student-athlete they could be and to reach their academic and athletic goals. Um, and, and I think that's the biggest thing, you know, coaching in junior college is, you know, there's no limitation on practice. There's no limitation on how many games you could play in the fall. Like, when you get there, it's all about development. It's, it's very similar to professional baseball. Um, you're trying to develop big leaguers in professional baseball. And in junior college, you're trying to develop guys to help you win, but also to help them reach their goals, whether it be professional baseball or getting a chance to go play at a four-year school. So um, it, it's, it was a really, really fun experience and, and a great time in my career that I will never forget it, it being at the junior college level. You were hired by the Giants in 2020, getting ready to go for the first year of coaching in professional baseball. And then, unfortunately, the COVID pandemic hits. Yep. I mean, how how was that for you emotionally to know that you're ready to go and then all of a sudden it's taken away? Yeah, it was it was definitely tough. Um, I was, you know, in Arizona for about three weeks. Um, it, it was just a lot of unknown, right? Because when it first happened, um, we didn't know what it was. You know, they told us we were going to go home for two weeks and let this thing kind of calm down. And then two weeks turned into a month, which turned into two, three, four months. Um, a lot of teams were laying off employees to make room for budgets with, you know, not having a full season. So very fortunate that, you know, the Giants stuck through with their employees and were able to uh, to keep us involved during the break, um, you know, with professional development growth, with uh, player plans, watching video, having communication with players, making sure that they're, you know, staying safe and, and also getting their work in. Uh, but I was fortunate enough during the break to where I spent a little bit of time at home and it, it allowed me to, uh, you know, kind of do some some personal growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, halfway through the summer, I was sent to Sacramento to work with the uh, alternate site there in Sacramento. So that was a really eye-opening experience for me. It was actually my first taste outside of those few weeks in spring training of the professional baseball life. And it was with a lot of our prospects, but a lot of older guys, former former major league players or guys that are, you know, up and down. So it was almost like I was thrown into the fire, but I think it was good because it was I was able to uh, see baseball, you know, from a professional side for the first time up close. And um, very fortunate for that opportunity to be able to, to go out to uh, Sacramento and work with those all-side guys. And then after the pandemic, you go and join Dennis Pelfrey in 2021 with the Eugene Emeralds, end up winning a championship there. Yep. With a big congratulations to you and the staff for that. And in 2022, much of the same, yep. except Pelfrey wasn't there. He was obviously here in Richmond. But having that experience to coach guys, getting up to that championship level caliber mm-hmm. and having that success pay off in the end with a trophy in your hands, working with the guys that a lot of them are here in Richmond now, yep. That's got to be so fun for you. Yeah. No, it's awesome. I had these guys in 21, um, and when I when I joined the Emeralds, it was very late. We had already broke camp, spring training. I was going to stay in rookie ball. Um, Kyle Haynes, the farm director, uh, at the last minute moved me up to Eugene. and um, We had a great group of guys, man, with you know Fitzgerald, Bailey, um, 
Aldretti, Logan Wyatt. I mean, they're Mongia. It was a lot of the guys that are here or have been here this year. Um, and for a lot of them, it was the first time they had played in a year and a half. Um, for a lot of them, it was their first professional season. So we were all new. We were all trying to get accustomed to that, to that new level. Um, but Dennis did a great job early on setting the precedence of what we were going to do as a staff, what we were going to do as a ball club. We were going to work harder than anybody out there, and, and we were going to play the game the right way. Um, and it showed. I mean, we it was really special towards the end, the run we were able to put together in 21 to win a championship. And a lot of those principles and that discipline that uh, we had in 21 through Dennis Pelfrey, um, I took with me in, in repeating in, in 2022. And, and I think we were the best minor league team in baseball last year. Um, and a lot of it had to do with, you know, how we were in 21 as a staff, as a group, and, and what we were about every single day. And that culture never changed. Um, and I think you're starting to see that come together here in Richmond. We're playing really good baseball as of late. Um, guys are continuing to get their work in. We're in, in really good physical shape with the heat. We're able to outlast some of the teams that we're playing. Um, so I think it's a testament to that culture that we kind of set in 21 where we, we started it. Um, and it's really fun to watch these guys who I've been with for three years for the most part, like continue to buy in and continue to trust. And um, I learned just as much as from them as they do from me. And uh, it's been really, really fun to see this all come together. And, and I think we've got, you know, a special thing going as we finalize this last half of the season. One thing about baseball is there's a lot of technology coming into the game, and it's been that way for the past decade or so, um, with guys studying about the launch angle of their swings, the uh, the contact rate and everything. Where do you stand with coaching the guys with the technology versus just kind of feeling things out? Yeah, well, I mean, you gotta you got to be immersed in the technology, right, because there are players that learn that way and they want to know those things. So I think um, I get a lot of help from – Nate, our analyst here in, in Richmond, and Dagan, our video guy, um, those guys are on top of their stuff every single day. Anything I need, they're they're able to get it for me and, and explain it and break it down. They have a really good relationship with the players as well. But from a technology standpoint, I think that the biggest thing is just being able to have, you know, that in your back pocket to help in development is huge. Um, like I said, there's players here that, you know, they want bits and pieces of the technology. And it's my job to kind of interpret that technology and, and teach them in a way that's going to help them learn the best. Um, and there's some guys that they fully rely on every bit of that. So, um, you know, the technology is great. It, it's, it, it allows you to develop players and give them every resource possible to aid in that development. So um, I'm a big component of it. I think there's times where um, – you have to trust your gut. There's times where you have, like, you can't deny the data and technology. Um, but just being able to have that in your back pocket and have that as a staple of, of development is, is something that we as a staff have used, and, and it's a tool that we're going to continue to use. And, you know, a year from now, there's going to be technology stuff that comes out or uh, innovations that we have to learn, and it's going to aid in player development. So, um just being able to have that resource and tool to use in development is huge. Um, and, and it just, it allows for, you know, different ways to get messages across and, and help these players identify who they are and what they need to do to get better. So is there a line where it becomes like too much information for a player? I think that depends on the player itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be able to, um, to coach and relay messages to certain players 
based on how they take that information. Sure. Some guys need more information. Some guys need to be dumbed down a little bit. And I think that that just comes from how they learn, how they've been coached in the past. Um, but I think there is – I think really good coaches are able to do both, mm-hmm. right? They're able to coach them up with the technology and speak in that language, and they're able to, to dumb it down and, and, and relay that information without the technology. So um, there is that line, but um, I think that anybody who says it gets in the way or anybody who says there's one way or the other, I think they're cheating themselves of becoming a really good coach, and it's hurting player development. Corey, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it, and good luck in this series against the Sea Dogs and the rest of the year. Thank you. I appreciate it.